Welcome, good people of the internet. This is the Present Barber Podcast. I'm your host, Nelson Carmona. And on this podcast, we share stories from the hair industry and the unique people in it. Today's guest is a very dear friend of mine, Yo-Yo the Barber. Today, we'll be discussing his wild barber journey and what it is to stand out, even if it makes other people uncomfortable. I hope you guys enjoy the show, and let's get started. Well, welcome everybody. We're here at the Present Barber Podcast. Um, <laughs> we have uh, a special guest today. This is episode one with Yo-Yo the Barber. Episode one. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, this is the first episode, so we're st- I'm still experimenting, but I appreciate you taking the time and coming to interview me. Thank you for interviewing me, Yeah, coming over. Yeah, it's been, it's been a minute since we hung out. Uh, yep. I think last time it was in St. Pete and all that stuff, but yeah. So I guess uh, for the people that don't know you, um, in the barber industry and all that stuff, where did you get like your first start as far as uh, cutting hair and all that stuff? Did you um, start in the bedroom to yourself, or you cut up some yeah. people you knew? I uh, started basically like a lot of. I feel like a lot of barbers start like. Um, Edging myself up, cutting myself up, and then ended up meeting some guys that uh, that were trying to open up a barbershop that had no experience on <laughs> being a part of a barbershop. A couple guys that I met that ended up opening up a barbershop and were in desperate need of barbers. Gotcha. It was like an 18-year-old with nothing to do. And very minimum barber skills, <laughs> if you could call it that at the time. Yeah. Did you cut anybody up before you're at that shop or anything? Um, yeah, at home, you know, like you start edging yourself up, and then, you know, like you go to little clubs and little parties, and you know your boys want to get fresh before, before the whatever the night. Yeah. And you start edging them up, lining them up, yeah. getting them fresh or whatever, and that ends up becoming like what they see you as like you know yeah, the neighbor like neighbor yeah little neighborhood barber you know yeah no uh, official title but and i met a couple guys that decided to put some money up and make a barbershop here actually in cape coral del prado nice and um they were in desperate needs of barbers so yeah you saw the opportunity so i I, j- I just came up to them and was like hey um so you need barbers i'm a barber <laughs> like, uh, are you? You need, you need people. I'm you need people. people? I, I'll work. Whatever. Yeah. They said it was crazy because uh, it was a long night of partying. I partied all night that night, and it was like eight in the morning, seven in the morning. I had nowhere to go. They're like, "Hey, or let's go to that new barbershop that opened. Those guys that opened the barbershop, and let's hang out over there because that was a hangout. So yeah. we go over there eight in the morning when they first open, and um, no sleep, no nothing. Like, hey, bro." Uh, What's up, man? You need a barber? I'll, I'll work. Nice. He's like, let's uh, let me see. Can you cut? Like, I'll cut myself up right now. He's like, all right, we'll go ahead and cut yourself up. Cut myself up, give myself a fade, and line myself up. He's like, well, shit. I give you do that. If you could do that, you could cut somebody else up. He gave me a two weeks probation, yeah. probationary period. Try to start working. Yeah. Went good for me. That's what's up. Did you? How long did you stay at that shop for? Well, <laughs> well. <laughs> I was there for, uh, I think what I think it was only open for like six months. Oh, it was only it's closed now. <laughs> yeah, well, it got raided by 
<laughs> you got raided by the police, so. Uh, <laughs> if you're comfortable talking about it, so. What? Um, well, unbeknownst to me, first of all. Yeah. I want to say, and by the way, I was 17 years old, so I was yeah. also underage. Yeah. <laughs> before anybody takes this and runs with it. Yeah. Um, it was a barbershop, and uh, we were, at first, you know, we're trying to get the barbershop known and stuff like that. You know, it wasn't my barbershop, but, you know, I had never worked anywhere like that before, and I've never been taking a, like, invited to join a team yeah before like that you know so i you know took it around with it and we were trying to like get the barbershop growing so you know we meet people around meet a couple girls from the neighborhood mm -hmm. and uh they wanted a job they wanted to work yeah. they wanted to make money so we asked them hey you guys want to go you know and uh hold up signs yeah, outside. That says, that you know, barbershop cuts X amount of dollars, whatever. And, you know, basically do it in a, like, bikini, you know? Yeah. To try to attract clientele. For sure. You know, like I said before, unbeknownst to us, yeah. they gave us fake, well, not me, because, you know, just, like, I was just a barber. Yeah, yeah. They gave the owners fake ID, apparently. Mm -hmm. So, apparently, these girls were only 16, 17 years old. I was 17, so, you know, I didn't have no gauge of what yeah, yeah. an adult and... Yeah, child teenager. relationship, yeah. which should be whatever. So they start um, holding signs on the side of the road, saying free or like cheap haircuts or whatever. Yeah. And um, that one led one thing led to another, and I guess the owners of the shop started, you know, messing around with messing the girls. around with the girls, and one thing led to another. I guess they did some stuff, and you know, like everybody at the time, you know, nobody, everybody that was working at the shop at the time was kind of like dabbling. Within and mm -hmm. outside of the law. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there was all kind of crazy shit going on. Like, we used to go to the club. I'm talking about 17. I had a fake ID. We'll go to the club, get out of the club at 3 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, and we'll go to the barbershop yeah. and party all night at the, at the barbershop. Yeah. Make a long story short, one day we're just hanging out in the barbershop. I'm just chilling there, waiting to see, you know, some clients walk in maybe. Um, you know, I just finished smoking a blunt, so I'm kind of like out of it. Watching TV in the back of the shop. And I just hear the door just bust open. Everybody, hey, get everybody get the fuck on the ground. Oh, no. Freeze, get everybody get on the fuck on the ground. It's the fucking police. I'm like, oh, shit. I didn't even hear the police part. I just seen people in ski masks dressed in all black with guns. So, so I'm like, you thought you're getting so I'm, I'm, right I'm getting robbed. So, you know me, I always kept something in the trunk. I got my car parked backwards in the back of the shop. So yeah. I think, hey, I'm only like about 10 feet from the back door. I, I'll make it. Yeah. I hit. I took about four steps. The motherfuckers picked me up. Drop me, <laughs> drop, drop, fucking DDT my ass into the ground. <laughs> what the fuck? So you know, by then you know they got me fucking hogtied and shit. The fucking police got me hogtied. I'm like, you know, fuck it. I ain't saying shit. I'm like 17 years old, so you know, you know how it is. You fucking underage. Police got you. He's like, man, fuck the police. I ain't telling them shit. Yeah. Ask me what's your name. I said, fuck you. <laughs> so. You know, I'm thinking they're there for something else because I really don't know the, the scope of what's going on, really. So, like, okay, whatever, you know. Um, I ain't saying shit because I'm thinking they're there for, like, maybe drugs or... Yeah, something. Or, you know, somebody has a warrant. Yeah, or, yeah. Every, like I said, everybody was dabbling on yeah. one... Was or it, the, like, more of a hood shop and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't call it a hood shop because... But, I mean, yeah, all the barbers had a record. Yeah. Everybody had, like... Things they have gone through and yeah. shit. What year was this? This was like 2008. 
Yeah, 2009. Which I feel like a barbershop in 2008 is completely different than, than now, now. Yeah, in, in 2021. Yeah, well, people weren't really going and getting permits and doing all this and that. They were just like, honestly, it was a lot of people just like Cape Coral was so young. It was like, you ever seen Scarface? It's like, yeah. Miami's like a virgin pussy. <laughs> Waiting to get fucked. Oh well, basically, that was yeah, Cape yeah. Coral in yeah, like yeah. 2007, 2008. Yeah. So, I mean, like a lot of people were getting raided around that time. Like, we didn't really, I didn't have no idea. I was just like, well, a fucking barbershop that's willing to give me a fucking 17 year old kid with no fucking yeah. experience. Yeah. No, like nothing. I had nothing. I, like, I didn't even have a high school diploma yet at the time, you know? Yeah. So, I was like, man, what? I could work here? Yeah, Bet. Make money. Yeah, make money. So, that was my entrance into the barber life. So, yeah. So, it was kind of different. So, um, we got raided and shit. They get me into the fucking interrogation room, start asking me questions. I'm like, I ain't saying shit. Ain't saying shit. Cause I'm thinking it's like a drug raid. I'm yeah, thinking yeah. they asking like who's the fucking kingpin yeah, around yeah, here, yeah. this and that. So I ain't saying shit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they say, oh, you know, underage, this and that, like a prostitution charge or like an underage sex charge. I'm like, underage sex charge? What yeah, the fuck are they talking about? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, those girls that's been holding signs up in the front of the shop, they're only 17. I was like, 17? Yeah. And bitches like 21. Yeah. I thought they were older than yeah, me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we going to the club. They're going in the club. Yeah. Like they got an ID that says they're 21. Yeah. But apparently the owner and the owner's brother and like a couple other people yeah, yeah. were having sex with these girls. Like yeah. luckily I never yeah, you know, yeah. never. Yeah, yeah. I was just in there yeah, trying yeah. to make money. Yeah, yeah. And uh well I was 17 anyways, but still like I yeah. never even got involved in it. And then I come to find out that they were underage and that was fucking crazy. Yeah. And once they told me that's what they were there for, then I was like completely relaxed because I was like, well, shit, I ain't did shit. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and apparently told. they had a fucking video that like somebody leaked out leaked out that. or whatever. So, you know, that was crazy. But it kind of like changed my, like it kind of like um, changed the trajectory of my barber career because at that at that time, that was the only barber experience I had. Yeah, first shop. And first shop. So whenever I left there and I was trying to ask people for a job, an opportunity, they were asking me, like, okay, where um, where did you work before? I said, okay, well, you know, I worked at, at B's Barbershop. Mm -hmm. They're like, B's Barbershop? Oh, shit, that's the place that got raided for fucking underage uh, yeah. fucking uh, prostitution, underage prostitution. I was like... Oh yeah, well that wasn't me, and I'm trying to explain though. Like, hey, I had yeah, no idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, I promised that. Like, I had no idea about the shit. Like, I, I'm underage as well. Like, I'm 17. Like, I don't I have no idea of what they're talking about. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah no thanks. Yeah. So it kind of like changed. Like at that time, I, it it was kind of crazy out here too, because like like I said, you know, like everybody was kind of like on the like everybody got people have to understand that. 2007, 2008, 2009 was at the fucking peak of the great, um, uh, what's this fucking, uh, not depression, but fucking migration. <laughs> the great migration and the great fucking, uh, uh, what's that shit? When the economy falls. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was around the, um, damn, now I can't. Yeah, I know. How the fuck do I forget that? That, that, like it was a, it was a, uh, around the the housing boom. Or yeah, the, or after the housing yeah, boom. Yeah, the, like, once the bubble burst, it was around the recession. The recess, the Great, great recession. recession. The Great Recession. Fuck, how do I forget that? Yeah. All right, trauma, trauma. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> trauma. Yeah. Oh that, wait. That was a hard time. If anybody that lived in South Florida during 07, or matter of fact, anybody that left high school 
and like graduate high school around 07, 08, 09, they were like, I feel like some of the people like, well, I mean, obviously people that owned houses around that time were fucked. But yeah. <laughs> people that were coming out of high school right at that time were like faced by like different, like not knowing where the fuck you're going to work at or like yeah. who's going to give you a job around that time. Like, Well, I think like there's a, a statistic that came out like not too long ago. Um that basically, like, if you graduated around that time and got, like, a college degree around that time, like, even the people graduating college, like, you weren't going to get the job that you got a four-year degree for. Not you only know? not only you probably weren't going to get that job, but you weren't even going to get, like, a, almost an entry-level job. Yeah. Bro, at one time, 07, 08, I was like, bro, my biggest dream at in 07, well, not my biggest dream, but, like, one of my major, like, goals... Like accomplishment goals that I wanted to do at the time was even get a job at Foot Locker, bro. Yeah, and I couldn't even get a call back at Foot Locker. Yeah, so that'll tell you like, like what kind of economy we had at the time. So yeah, we kind of had to like make do. Yeah. So so transitioning out of that and all that stuff, what was I guess the next shop or you know did you end up finding a shop or anything like that? Nah, man. I I, I looked around for a long time, didn't find nothing. So I resorted to what I knew best, you know, mm-hmm. street shit, you know, fucking yeah. around. Illegal money, trying to get money. And shit got real crazy out here. Like, a lot of people started going to prison. People started getting, like, five, ten years at a time. And, like, I, I like, that's one thing. Like, even though I did, like, a lot of crazy shit when I was younger, and, like, I never lost track of the fact that I could fall at any moment. Yeah. So, I never, I was never blind to the fact that I could, you know, spend a lot of time in prison. So, like, that kind of scared me all the time. Like, I had that in the back of my head, like... Yo, like, if you don't, like, figure something out, yeah, you're going to fuck around and end up just like... Because I had a lot of homeboys around 08, 09 that went to prison, mm-hmm. did five years, seven years, and, like, you know what I mean? Like... You're on the cusp of that. You're, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're I'm, like, that. I'm playing with that edge, you know what I mean? So, I was like, I got to do something. So, I decided to leave Cape Coral because, like, Cape Coral was just so hot at the time. Like, anything you did was, like, going to... Get you sent to prison. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I really didn't want to go to prison. I went to jail around 08. And uh I beat I beat I had a gun a gun charge. I beat it. But just going to jail at that time for that kind of serious charge, mm-hmm. it was enough to really make me to be like, you know, I need to get the fuck out of here. So I went to LA. Oh, okay. So I moved to LA. I was in LA for a few months. I was in LA for like nine months. Now, was that your first time in L.A.? No, I was actually born in L.A. I was born in L.A., oh. and I was in L.A. until I was like seven or eight years old. Okay. So how'd you end up in, I guess, how'd you end up in Florida and then, I guess, Cape Coral? Was this just moving around? Well, yeah, my parents got divorced when I was, well, they got separated when I was like seven years old. So my mom, my grandparents actually moved to Cape Coral first. And they bought a house because my grand—it was crazy. My grandfather, you know, back in them days, they used to put shit on like the yellow pages. Yeah. And they like advertised South Florida, mm-hmm. and like I guess there was no difference at that time between Southwest Florida and South Florida. Gotcha. So my grandfather's son, my uncle, was in Miami. He mm-hmm. had a, he got a job in Miami. So my grandfather was looking for work in Miami, and he actually stumbled across somebody selling a landscaping business. Okay. In. Southwest Florida, which he thought was like five minutes away from yeah. Miami. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, mommy had that. Yeah, I mean, mommy had that. He's like, yeah, it was like five grand or seven grand at yeah. the time, which, you know, like 
at the time was a lot of money, but you know, for a whole business, a trailer, you know, all yeah, the shit. All the he was equipment. like, "What? You know, start my own business, go to Florida, start my own business." So he was like, "You know, I'm a, I'm gonna do it." So he went, and when he came to realize he was two fucking hours away from Miami, he's yeah. like, "What the fuck is this? Yeah. In the middle of nowhere." So he's like, "Well, fuck it, you know, I already." You know, he took all the steps. He fucking came. He spent the money, whatever. So he had no choice but to start it. He ended up getting a house on Santa Barbara in like, oh, in like, no, like 97, 98. Yeah. And um, my mom and my dad were having problems and shit. So yeah. my mom decided to come over here. Got you. We came, stayed with my grandfather for like a year yeah. in Cape Coral when there was nothing out here. I was like, what the fuck yeah. is this? Yeah, and if you're from Cape Coral, you know around that time there was nothing out here. There was out. nothing out here. Nothing. And then like... We came, what, it was like my nine months, not even not even a year I was out here. And I'm and like we went back to LA. Okay. Went back to LA and then you know how that I don't know. Like you know how that is. Like you back and forth, your 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 parents go back and forth. Yeah. You're gonna get together. No, we're not yeah. gonna be together. We're gonna be together, we're not gonna be together. Yeah. And you know, you just get dragged along kinda with it. So So you split your time between Florida and, 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 and LA for like about a couple of years. Yeah. And then my my mom decided, you know, she was not gonna go back and forth anymore and we went to Miami. Okay. So we were in Miami for maybe f- four years. Yeah. And um, you know, I was I finally got settled in Miami. You know. Yeah. That was kind of like home then. Yeah. And then um, in Miami for a while, and I was getting in trouble. You know, as a kid, you know, yeah, like for sure. not having your like it's easy out there. Yeah, it's easy to get in trouble, and plus, like you're raised with, like grandparents. And my mom was going to school yeah. and going to work. You know, my mom did everything she could. Like my mom's good ass mom. Yeah. But like you know. I would see my dad maybe once a year, you know, summers, yeah. whatever. So, like, you know, a single mom could only do so much to keep you out of trouble. Yeah. But you're going to rebel, you know, that like Absolutely. 8, 9, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old. Yeah. You're going to do everything bad. You yeah. can. So, then, like, out of, um, so now you're you're kind of getting, you did your first shop. You were doing stuff on the side because you, you couldn't, you know, get a job anywhere because it was right. around the recession time. You go back to L.A. Went so, to L.A. Yeah. Um, I was working actually at a Mexican supermarket. She was crazy. It was like I never been around like I never been exposed to that much like different it's like culture? a culture. Well, I was like as a kid, but like not as an adult. So I was mm-hmm. like nineteen years old and I was working at a Mexican uh supermarket. Yeah. I had like a a a butcher shop and like a taco yeah, just, shop. It yeah, was like, just odd jobs. Yeah, everywhere. yeah. So I did that for a while and then I was like at that time it was like a uh, uh, a time where they were like accepting basically anybody in the army. Yeah. So my my dad always wanted me to be in the military because he was in the air force. So okay. So he wanted me to be in the air force too. So I was like, yeah, man. I was like, at that time, I was like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I was like, you know, I was kind of open to whatever. So I was like, you know, I guess I'll try it. You know, I'll go to the air force. So I go to the recruiting shop or the recruiting recruiters or whatever, and I tell them, yeah, you know, I want to join the air force. As soon as they pulled out my record, it was like, hell no, nah, you ain't going to the <laughs> I had tattoos already. Yeah. I had a fucking, I had been locked up before. So they were like, nah, you can't join the Air Force. It's not for you. So I was like, okay, so what can I, what can I get into? The Army was like, shit, we'll take you. I was yeah, like, yeah. bet. <laughs> so. so I ended up joining the Army. Went to the Army. Did three, uh, I did, uh, my, I signed up for three years. Mm-hmm. By the end of the third year, I ended up, Extending my contract for a year. Yeah. I ended up getting out, got out of the army. The whole entire time I was in the army, I was cutting hair too. Yeah, I was going to ask. So, have, did were you pretty much cutting hair throughout that whole time? Um, The thing was, in the army, like, 
wherever you get stationed at, usually it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. There's not like a nice barbershop that you could go to or whatever. For sure. And there's like chop shops usually around yeah, the chop base shops or whatever. Getting fucked up. People yeah. getting fucked up. So I'm like, well, shit, I know how to cut hair. I started yeah. cutting a couple of people. Honestly, cutting hair fucking saved me out of a lot of bullshit in the army. Yeah. Like, I didn't stop getting in trouble just because I went to the army. I was getting in <laughs> trouble all the time. Like, yeah. Because I had no, like, had no, um, like, consciousness of what it was to, like, have somebody above me telling me what to do because I didn't know what it was to, like, bow, like, not bow down to somebody. But yeah, but, like, like, the rebellious spirit. Yeah, like, it's just me. Like, I'm, like, I always got in trouble. Like, this is my life. I, like, get in trouble because I couldn't have nobody tell me, like, this is what you need to do. You can't do this. You could do this. Like, it's yeah. not in me to, like. Yeah, like, you have to try it out for yourself. I have to find out if it's bad. Like, yeah. you can't tell me, oh, this is bad. Yeah. Don't do it. I'm going to find out. Yeah. So, I went to the army. I uh, got in trouble a lot. Um. But cutting hair actually saved me a lot, of, a lot of shit. I got an Article 15 in AIT. So it's like basic training. You go to basic training. I had a trouble in basic training. Luckily, I got out of it. I mm-hmm. got out of the trouble. Boom. This is like some bullshit, bro. I got caught smoking. Oh, I didn't get caught. Somebody snitched on me because they see me smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I, I stole a cigarette from yeah. one of my drill sergeants, and I smoked that shit in the middle of the field. <laughs> it was the best cigarette. I don't, I don't even smoke no more, but at the time, I smoked. I smoked for like seven, eight years. But one of my drill sergeants had a pack of Newports, had it in a uniform, and it was yeah. folded up in the bathroom. Yeah. And I went to, I asked, oh, can I use the staff bathroom? Because our bathroom was, was filled. I said, yeah, go ahead. Boom. I seen a pack of Newports. What? Newports, baby. <laughs> That's me. I hid that shit. First chance I got, I was in the field. I smoked that shit. Somebody saw me and snitched on me. Yeah. But it was another soldier that seen me do it. So, you know, they had no proof. It was his word against mine. Yeah. I said, oh, I ain't do it. But anyway, that's a long story short. I got in trouble in basic. I went to AIT, which is like training school. Went to training school. I got in trouble there. I got an article 15. Kind of kept me there for a little bit longer. But what was good was that, you know, a lot of the guys, a lot of the uh, sergeants that were there, People that were uh, above me or whatever, rank wise, were like you know like Hispanic black guys, you know similar upbringing as me. So we we kind of bonded in that sense. They're supposed to be my superiors, but yeah, they 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 seen something in me that reminded them of them, and they seen that I could cut. For sure, I so, feel like that's like an access point of like being yeah, a barber. Man. You could be in any room, like bro. It's like oh, can you cut me up? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Being a barber will open doors that nothing ever opened before. You know what I'm saying? Like, like obviously, there's certain places you don't ever want to be in. You don't even want to think about yourself being in. But, like, you know, like, if you're in jail, prison, uh, fucking the army, yeah. uh, any fucking weird situation that yeah. you could be in, being a barber, that shit's going to bless you. Yeah. You could be in the middle of Amazon and be, somebody yeah, wants a fresh somebody cut. Somebody wants a fresh cut. You know what I'm saying? So, I was cutting all my sergeants and people that was ab- above me and shit. And they, like... Motherfuckers are fresh, you know. We fresh, fade, fresh, and like ain't nobody out there got a fresh cut like that. So they would start like letting me get away with shit. Like everybody else is doing this bullshit, like cleaning up or <laughs> fucking doing bullshit, you know, like cleaning yeah. cigarette butts from or or chopping trees or cutting grass or doing fu- like bullshit. And then hey yo yo, come here. Oh, oh damn, what's up, Sean? Hey, um. I need you to cut me up. You got your shit with you? <laughs> Bad. Yeah. Take me to the staff duty desk. Yeah. They got a TV. Yeah. They got fucking snacks. Yeah, they're chilling. We got music. Yeah. I'm hanging out. I'm cutting up people that's way above me in rank. So that kind of blessed me. Like after that, like 
that was my entryway to getting cool with anybody that was a higher rank than me. After I got out of AIT, I went to I got stationed in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. I got in trouble in AIT. I was supposed to go to Korea. Like, mm. I got in trouble and they canceled my orders. They kept me at AIT for like two extra months. Mm. Then they said, then they rebooked my orders. I got fucking Kansas. They they reset my shit. Yeah, I got, I got Can- uh, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Yeah, it's the middle of nowhere. Yeah, got sent out there. Boom. It was that's actually the largest, um, one of the largest uh, military prisons in the United States. Okay. So like Al Capone went to Leavenworth, Kansas. Got you. Leavenworth. So that's prison. an infinite infamy behind. It. Yeah. Well, there's two. It's uh, Leavenworth Prison, and then there's Fort Leavenworth. The United States dis- disciplinary barracks. Oh, okay. So any military member that's got into like serious trouble that's doing like, yeah, you know, more than like a couple years, anything like you know two yeah, years, serious. yeah, like serious shit. Like, any like two years to life in prison, they're going to Fort Leavenworth. Yeah. So when I seen that shit on my orders, I'm like, damn, bro, like yeah, it's gonna be a little rough. Yeah, I got out there and um, you know, I start start telling people like, hey, man, I cut you up, I cut your hair. Mm. Start cutting hair in the barracks. Yeah, just letting it be known. Yeah, I like, know how to cut. I hair know how to cut. Yeah, like because over there they got one barber shop. It's in the PX, mm-hmm. and they got some fucking like nerds cutting hair. Cause I think, <laughs> well, I don't know now, so yeah, don't yeah, like yeah, I don't yeah, know who's yeah, over yeah, there right yeah, now, but yeah. but like in fucking 2010, yeah, it was just some fucking nerds over there yeah, cutting yeah. hair. Just one all over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like no edge, your shit's fucked yeah. up, and you gotta pay them. And they was charging like twelve bucks or some shit, which yeah. is cheap. But, but like, you I know. feel like around that time too, that's kind of like more standard haircut yeah, 12, too. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I started cutting hair and shit over there. I basically was like saving up all my paychecks and shit, just cutting hair. Mm-hmm. So I did that until what, like two thousand fourteen, mm. and then I ended up getting out. Cause I didn't. I did three years. I extended for a year. And like this shit was never for me. Like the yeah. army wasn't for me. But even though it wasn't for me, it was for me at the time. Like yeah, that's part of your journey. It was part of my journey. Like I'm so glad I did that because it kind of humbled me a lot. Okay. Like being in the army humbled me because I was like used to being like my like nobody could tell me shit. Yeah. When I went to the army, I realized like you know sometimes you ain't got a choice. Yeah. It's either you could listen or either you could let somebody take control of a situation and let them take control or you could go against the grain and crash out. Got you. Because I see a lot of people like that's my age that I grew up with. They grew up the same way as I did and they crashed out. Like their life ain't worth shit right now. Yeah. Or or they're like trying to like climb out of the hole they dug themselves. Yeah. So once I realized that like, you know, sometimes you just go with the flow, you'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Got out. Once I got out the army, I didn't really know what I was gonna do. I was actually supposed to move to Africa. Africa. Right? Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. I have an uncle, right? He was a multi. He had a multi-million dollar. Uh, um, what's that shit called? Uh, uh, a civil engineering company in Miami. Okay. And he moved to to tech uh, to uh, to uh, the Congo. Okay. In Africa, and he was doing it there, and. He wanted me to come work with him and shit. I was going to go work with him. But um, shit went south. I can't really get into the details yeah, of yeah. what happened. But he ended up getting stuck in Africa. Like, like 
like, hey, you can't come to Africa you now. You or you can't <laughs> come back to the U.S. type shit. Yeah, like, yeah. Like you know, luckily you weren't out there. Luckily I wasn't <laughs> out there, so I'm not gonna get into detail. But like yeah. basically, like I, I, like I went and I got all my shots and everything. I got like all my vaccines. Like, oh, so you're ready to go? Yeah, like, I was ready to like, go. You like had the ticket in hand, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like I had like, like, fucking like, ten peanut butter shots, like straight fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Ten fucking different like malaria, all kind of vaccines and shit. Cause I was supposed to go over there and work, so I was kind of like not taking like the time that I had here in Florida serious. Cause yeah, my plan was just to come to Florida, hang out for like a few months. Yeah, like a spring break. Yeah, like a long ass spring break. Like, yeah. Excuse me. I got out here um January of 2014. I was just gonna hang out from like January to maybe like June, July. Okay. And then head out to Africa. That was the plan. Once it started getting closer, I started realizing like maybe this is not it. You know, yeah, like, like I don't know if it's everything that I wanted it to be. So uh, it's funny because at the t- at the time I was getting my hair cut. There's a barbershop on Hancock and El Prado called Styles. It They're used still to be, there. Yeah, still there. It used to be Giovanni's. Okay, that was the original Giovanni's. Like Giovanni's, Zemo, Giovanni. That he's a legend out here. He's a legend out here. Like very like. In the Cuban community, yeah, in the Cuban barber community, Cuban barber community is like the guy. Yeah, it's like if you want to be like anybody, this is probably who you want to be like. Yeah, he's like known for getting a, a, a storefront, making it a barber shop, getting barbers in it, making a fully established shop, and then selling it like a premium price. Yeah, but but if you buy a shop from Giovanni, you know you're gonna get a fully well oiled machine, machine going. That's gonna be paying you the day that you buy it yeah so. very entrepreneurial yeah he's, he, he he has a formula like i can't even tell you what his formula is because like he 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 knows something that we don't know he's like, yeah he's got, a, he's got, he's got the a, sauce he's got the sauce like he just make a make a barbershop boom and, and and sell it and just move on to it and make another one and sell it and I've seen him doing it a bunch of times but anyways i was getting a haircut there and one of my guys i was cutting my hair at the time his name is angel he was cutting my hair and he told me like I worked with him at that first barbershop that... Oh, way back. Way back when. Yeah, 08, all that shit. We worked together. And he actually quit working there right before she got raided. Wow. Like, just so happened. Like, yeah, he, it was just perfect like, timing. It was like perfect timing. He just happened to quit before he got raided. So um, he told me, he, he always, you know, we always had a good relationship. He's like, hey, man, you know, I'm about to open up my own barbershop. You know, if you ever wanted to get back into cutting hair, you know... You should come back. You should come in and uh, and um, and uh, come work with me, right? So, uh, so I did. I went over there. I I seen that it was basically an empty shell at the time. He I started started helping him set up everything. Yeah, for his own shop. Yeah, everything. you know, you had his like his him and his parents like his his dad and they were building a shop out yeah. right ne- next to Mambo, and I started helping him. Boom, you know, we built. Built it up. Uh, man, it was honestly like the best. It was a really good experience for me. Like I was yeah. there maybe two years. Honestly, I felt like I would never leave that place, you know? Like mm-hmm. me and him were like really tight. It was like my brother. Yeah. I, I felt he was like my brother. And, um, you know, things change. You know, people change. Mm-hmm. Life. Yeah, situations happen. Situations happen, you know? And like basically, you know... It got to the point that I, I felt like I kind of outgrew it. Yeah, outgrew the shop for sure. I outgrew the shop, but not so much I grew outgrew the shop, but I kind of outgrew that. Uh, the vibe there, it changed, you know. It, it, it was sure. 
it was at one point it was like you know I didn't I would never ever think of, of leaving that place for sure yeah but and, it, and to put a, a side note me and Greg or yo yo yeah uh, we we both worked there and all that stuff and I left a little bit before him just because the vibe got different and all that stuff yeah so right right around that time is um, when I met Nelson. Me and Nelson started, um, we were cutting together. Yeah. And uh, my wife, oh. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Break. Edit. <laughs> so. No, you're good. So, yeah, once you basically decided to get out of that shop in that situation, where, where did you end up? So, I, um, I ended up leaving Halo's. That was the name of the shop, Halo's Barbershop. I ended up leaving Halo's Barbershop, and I actually found the, um, it's called Flawless on Santa Barbara and uh, Nicholas. I started working at Flawless. I, I actually talked to the owner of Flawless, which is Gene. Mm-hmm. Shout and, uh, out to Gene, man. Shout out to Gene. Hey, bro. Gene, like, yeah. different kind of barbers. Like, it's like old school. You know what I mean? Like, this guy's famous just on word of mouth. Yeah. No, no, no social IG, media, nothing. no, none of that. Like, but if you ask anybody in Cape Coral, they're gonna know Gene. They Jean. know who Gene is if you're a good barber. Yeah, if you're, if you're, even if you're just a client, even yeah. if you just get haircuts, like, well, I, I don't remember. Like, I think they started around '09. Mm-hmm. They opened up that shop, and like, they just hit the ground running. Like, yeah. So I ended up um, going to Flawless, which is like a good, a good experience for me because they were just, they're just like a high volume shop. Like, yeah. Each one of them are cutting fifteen to twenty heads a day. Yeah, because it was kind of a vetted shop at the time. Well, yeah. it still is. It's it still, still is, a, yeah. A vetted shop. I I think it was what like oh or two thousand sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. Sixteen or seven. Yeah, I think sixteen. Yeah. Now at the time you had your clientele and all that. Yeah, stuff. I started having clientele. Well, the, honestly, right before I left Halos is when I started realizing like I was really promoting Halos a lot mm-hmm. as a shop, and I started realizing the kind of power that I had with my like. My uh, marketing, like, mm-hmm. like I know so many people in Cape because I went to, went to high school here. Yeah, yeah. So once you go to high school here, it's like you end up meeting everybody. Like yeah, it's a everybody big, small know. town. It's it, yeah, it's a small town. It's like, so I mean, it's a small town, but it's actually it's but gigantic. It's, it's but, huge though at the same time. Yeah. So once I started realizing I know so many people, I'm like, I'm like promoting a shop that's not mine. I felt like it was mine at the time, but like you know, when I ended up leaving, I realized it's not mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. I leave, and none of these people are coming with me. Yeah, yeah. So you so, built like that brand around your um, around myself. So I started instead of promoting everybody else. Like I ain't gonna lie, bro. I wanted to like make a make some kind of. I wanted to brand myself, and the only thing that I really remember was being like, being a kid in LA and like. Riding the riding the bus, the metro, and like I used to skateboard and do graffiti, you know. And one of the major, one of the people that I used to see a lot, one of the things I used to see a lot, like everywhere I would go, was that Obey sticker, like yeah, the Shepherd Ferry, the Shepherd Ferry, and I would see the that um, the sticker of Andre the Giant, yeah, classic, yeah. So it would be like a little like a silhouette, like a. Pixelized picture of Andre the Giant, and it would be like when I first started seeing it, it was like spray painted on a stencil, mm-hmm. and it would be everywhere. It would be on the bus. Yeah. It would be 
on every skate park, on in under every bridge, yeah. on every like random walls. Like, yeah, if you don't know who Shepard Ferry is, look him up on on Google yeah. and stuff like that. Especially in the matter graffiti. of fact, there's like a whole like documentary about him now. Yeah, on Hulu, I think on Hulu or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like apparently, like I don't know, like people have mixed reviews on on him just because like you know. Yeah, it's blown up by now. But. Yeah, well, you know how it is. Like any anytime anybody gets too much success or too much money off of something, too much cloud or whatever, too much cloud on something that's supposed to be counterculture, it, it becomes yeah. like, like oh, people say they sell out or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? But like honestly, like I don't know. Me personally, I can't really be mad at somebody for making money off of something that they were doing for the fun of it or for yeah. There was no money involved for years, and then you just make money out of, uh, out of nowhere, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're a sellout. I don't know. Yeah. Personally, I don't get it, but whatever. So I always thought that shit was dope, like that fucking. And you know, for the longest time, it's crazy because I would see this shit everywhere, and I would ask anybody. This is like before Google type shit. Yeah. This is like, like, I'll be like, "Yo, what the fuck is this? Yo, mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is this? Like, I remember coming up to like a fucking like uh, uh, one of the stickers and scraping it off mm. of the wall and like gluing it onto my fucking. Little like you know the 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 Walkmans yeah yeah and gluing it super gluing it onto my Walkman because I thought it was so cool yeah so I was like I remembered that feeling of like not knowing what that is mm-hmm. and wanting so desperately to know what it was yeah it's that question that question and like honestly like if 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 you're able to do that that's so powerful. So I was like, you know, I need to somehow market myself. So what can I do to do that? So I was like, oh fuck it, I'll I'll take a picture of myself mm-hmm. as, as if like you know like Andre the Giant, yeah. like Shepard Fairy did of Andre the Giant that make everybody wonder what is this. Yeah. So I started doing that here. I started taking a picture. Like I took a picture of myself and I edited myself on the phone. Oh, on the phone. Yeah, like, on the phone. I didn't even. I didn't even have a like laptop because I'm yeah. I suck at computer like with computers and shit. Yeah, I'm old school. Like I don't like. I'm straight with the with the phone, but so yeah. I just made the picture black and white, and I just like pixelated the fuck out of it. Yeah, like I just turned down the fucking like high contrast black and white. Yeah, and and I came out with the the yo-yos, the, that- the yo-yo logo, right? And um, I was like, man, you know, it'd be cool if I just made a sticker out of it and just posted it every fucking day. Yeah. So from like 2016, no, 2015 to like. Basically till now. Yeah, you still kind of do it. <laughs> I still kind of do it. I'm getting older now. I got kids and I got a wife and shit. So it's like it's it's kind of crazy that you see like a, a 30 year old like hopping out the jeep. I've been <laughs> in the, in his car before. Him be like, you know what? I'm gonna tag this <laughs> stop sign real quick. Jump at the car and start putting it everywhere. And then, bro, honestly, the 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 street market team, like, I had a lot of clients that were like. Anywhere from the ages of like seven years old to like twenty five, so like that gives me like a wide range of young people that are just like crazy as fuck, like down to do whatever. Yeah. So I just give them all stickers. I'm like, yeah, like, stick to someone. Here's twenty stickers. Here's twenty stickers. Put this shit everywhere, wherever the fuck you want. Yeah. And you know, like at the end of the day, hey, bro, the cops come and t- tell me something. Hey, bro, like. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I give these stickers out to everybody when they get a haircut. Like yeah. you get a free sticker. The haircut. Yeah. And that was like my little marketing point. And then when I went to Flawless, like that I just kept running with it and like 
Flawless, honestly, like I was cutting 15 to 20 heads a day. Mm-hmm. It was just a high volume shop. And like, I wasn't used to cutting that many people. Like, I would, like, on Saturdays, Fridays and Saturdays, but yeah. like every day, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah, Friday, it's a big, I'm cutting. Big boy shop. It's gotta, a, yeah, yeah. You, you got to be ready to work. You know what I mean? And like, honestly, that, that helped spread my name and like who I was mm-hmm. all around. So I always told Gene, like, man, Gene, like, he, um, he motivated me a lot to like, he never really, like, try to motivate me. It's just like watching him mm-hmm. work or like seeing the type of hustle he had made me want to do it yeah. even more. Cause like I never seen nobody stand behind a chair and make that amount of money or like live like that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like nice cars, nice house, yeah. nice everything. Like he's like somebody that could compete with people that are in like multi million dollar businesses or like you yeah. know but behind the chair. But behind the chair, like as an actual barber, I didn't even know that was possible. Mm-hmm. And once I seen it done in front of me, it's like it gave me motivation to say like, oh, well, I, if anybody could do it, I could do it. Yeah. So I always told Gene, I was like, hey, man, I'm not leaving this shop until like I have the opportunity to open up my own shop. Yeah. So um, crazy. One day I'm cutting my boy, my boy Brooks. Shout out to Brooks, too, because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even have this shop. It's my guy. He was a, uh, he's a chef, and he was a uh, a chef at uh, what's this uh, Firestone at um, the root uh, what's that the rooftop the sky, uh, sky, sky bar, bar sky bar he was a uh, head chef over there at sky bar, and um, he used to get cut here, at this used to be, um, C, uh, Mr C's Mr C's it used to be Mr C's then it became uh, classics classics something like that. Hair mechanic, something like that. Yeah. So um, he told me that his barber was thinking about getting rid of his shop. Mm. So I was like, what? So he's like, yeah, man, my my bar. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Yeah. So my barber or my client was like, you know, my my client Brooks, he was like, uh, I got a, my barber, he, uh. He's been busy a lot lately, so I need a haircut. Can you cut me up? I'm like, yeah, man, no problem, come through. So while I'm cutting him, he's like, yeah, man, my barber's been thinking about moving to Orlando. He mm-hmm. wants to he wants to leave, and he owns a shop on Cape Parkway. I was like, what? I was like, he's still trying to get rid of it. Yeah. So I got in contact with him. I came to the shop, and as soon as I walked in here, I felt like, like you know, when you walk in somewhere and you feel like you've been there before. Yeah. So I felt that right away as soon as I walked in. Like here. a homie vibe. Yeah, like, like, I mean, all right, that's the thing. Cape Coral don't have that old school vibe to it. Yeah, there's a lot of new construction. There's yeah. not too much history. All right, Cape Coral is fifty years old. Yeah, fifty to sixty years old total. Like since the first fucking building been here is yeah. sixty years old maybe, and really booming like that maybe twenty years. Yeah. So there's not that like if you ever been to any big city, New York, L. A. Miami, and you you go to a bigger city like that, and you walk into a building, and you could feel like that energy, that energy that there's been generations and generations yeah, here. History. There's history that like you go into a building, you open the door, and you could smell that smell of like probably mold, mold, but a little hey, moldy, a little moldy nice smell. Mold. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nostalgic mold. Yeah. So um, not enough to kill you. Not enough to kill you, enough to make you feel like wow. It was good here. Yeah, yeah. I feel you for it. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the room getting dark? So, 
I smelled that when I walked in here. I felt that. So I was like, you know, I have to have this place. Came out, uh, did a little deal with him. I bought, ended up buying the the business from him. Didn't buy the building, you know, but I bought the business from him. And um, I came back after I bought it. I went back to Gene. I was like, hey, man, you know, like, I, I know I told you I'll be here until I open up a shop. And I just bought one. Yeah. And he was like happy for me. He was like, hey, man, that's what's up, bro. You know, like. He's like, hey, whatever, how much, how much every time you need from me? Yeah. And I think, like, that's important, too, like, um, seeing in your journey how you began with kind of, like, a sketchier barbershop. You kind of pick out whatever is available, you know, to get into more of a vetted shop and, like, seeing an owner and right. knowing the business. I feel like if you've been in the business a long time, you want to, you're happy for other barbers. You know? Of so course, of course. There's no resentment. Me, if any of my barbers leave... All I'm gonna hope is that they they're they're moving up yeah. from where they're like I I don't want any of my barbers to move from from my shop to a shop that's not doing what I'm doing. Yeah, for sure. But if you're moving to a, a shop that's making more money, doing more numbers, yeah, or your own thing, or if you're opening up your own shop, even better. Like that's what I tell my barbers honestly. Like, yo, don't leave unless you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't leave and and not and not do what you're doing here at least. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have a game plan. Have a game plan, exactly. So um, I ended up leaving. I came here. And um, at first, it was scary because, you know, like, I'm like, I'm all the way across on the other side of town now. You know what yeah. I mean? And I'm in this building, like, in the middle of nowhere. Like, or not in the middle of nowhere. It's like Cape Car Parkway is down the street. So it's like. But it's in the cut a little bit. But it's a little bit hidden, whatever. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean, if I could do, if anybody could do I could do it. So I started, uh. I kept promoting my brand, you know, and uh, one of my main things was like to have the the Yo-Yo's logo like put big as fuck on the building. Yeah, and that's the first thing I did. Like, I was like, I don't give a fuck how much it costs. First thing I need to do is put my logo on the building. Yeah, because you've been putting that in yeah, people's heads. I, yeah, I've been I've been like pumping that shit for like five years straight. Mm -hmm. Anybody, like, somebody has seen that shit. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they know who, what it is, because that's the thing. That's the whole thing. Like, build a little, build a little, like, infamy, like, clout or whatever you would call it. Like, people see that shit over and over, and they don't know what it is. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're driving one day down 47th, and you see my shit lit the fuck up two stories high. Like, boom. Mm -hmm. Like, fucking six feet by three feet. Like lit up in the middle of the night, and you're on your way to a bar, and you see it, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, that's fucking that's that sticker I've seen everywhere. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? What is that? Oh, it's a barber shop. Bet. Yeah, you know, I'll pass by, or maybe even if you don't pass by, like you tell somebody, like, "Oh, you see that new shop," and they pass by. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Now I know it must have felt like really good too when you kind of came to that moment of like. The signs up, you light it up for the first time at night, and it's it's your face, it's you. you know yeah, what I'm it's all these years of building. Honestly, that was like one of the, that was like the moment that I realized that like everything that I've done up to this point like worked out. Like the I remember the first week that I um like I ended up meeting this guy that was walking down the road, and it was some fucking dreadhead just like me. I was like, yo, what's up, bro? He was like, hey, bro. He's like, yo, you work here? I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm opening up a shop. I was like, oh, I don't know how the fuck we got into it, but we started talking about like graffiti and shit. He's like, 
yeah, man, I do graffiti. I'm like, oh, that's what's up, bro. I was like, what's up? You want to tag my shop up? Mm. And the name was Haji. Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, um, I'll tag your shit. I was like, all right. I was like, what's up? I'll help you and shit. We'll tag it up. And um, bought a bunch of paint. Yeah. And we were like, we got to make this shit like different. So we come in here and we started doing this shit. We started yeah, tagging yeah, every which fucking thing. I'll put some footage of of the shop and all that stuff, but it, it's dope. It's a it's definitely completely different from what Cape has to offer. Well, stuff. yeah, like I mean, like in LA and Miami, like graffiti was a big part of my life. Like I always skated, and I always did graffiti. But like you know, like I was never like that great at either or. I've never been the best skateboard or skate skater ever. I, I'm probably tra- pretty trash mm-hmm. skating, and I'm. Not that good at graffiti either. Like I, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty trash compared to some people. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like my shit's straight, but like I'm yeah. not. Like you know, I never like. I feel like the one thing that I ended up excelling at was like cutting hair and like promoting myself. Yeah. But like besides that, there's people that's way better than me. But I always enjoyed it. I like the art of it. I like the so, like the expression of like being able to express yourself on a skateboard or with a spray can. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like, the subculture. The of it. subculture of it. Yeah. And it's like usually the same kind of people hang together. You know what I mean? Like people that fucking write and people that skate like kind of hang together and shit. Yeah. Because when so. I came in here, like your shop and all that stuff, I felt like. Um, for the first time, like, I felt like you're creating your own mini subculture in Cape Coral, you know what I'm saying? By, you know, one, your, your character in, in yourself or whatever, but also the stuff that you're into as well, like the graffiti, the, the cars and all that stuff, like the old school dunk stuff. Um, just like, I don't know, it's, it's a vibe in itself and it's not reflected on anything else. You're just doing you. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, honestly, like, after the army and shit like that, I realized, like, like one thing that I need, like, I don't give a fuck if I'm rich or I don't get rich or if I make, like, you know, obviously I want to be able to pay the bills and, like, make a little bit of extra money, make sure my kids are good. Yeah. But, like, that was never the fucking objective was to get rich. The objective was to, like, make enough to pay my bills and do whatever the fuck I want and, like, not have nobody tell me shit. Like, I remember when we started, we tagged up in here first. Like, we fucking sprayed all in here. And we're like, man, fuck that. Let's let's do some shit outside. So there's like a little fence right there. And I started fucking around on the fence doing like little throw-ups and shit. Me and Haji started fucking it up. And then I and I was like, man, we got to do that fucking wall, bro. Yeah, the we got wall a inside the building. Fucking big-ass wall, like two stories high, about 300 feet wide. Like, we got to fuck that wall up, bro. Yeah. And uh, I asked the landlord and shit. I'm like, bro, like, yo, um, do you mind if... You know, obviously, I had to, like, word it a little different. Like, yeah, yeah. Yo, do you mind if we <laughs> yeah. do a nice mural yeah. on the side of the building? Bring some art. Some art to the to the cape. And he's like, yeah, man, I don't have no problem with that as long as it's classy. I was like, yeah, it's going to yeah, be classy. It's gonna be real classy. I grabbed a bunch of candles and started fucking it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I put my name, like, fucking, like... 50 feet wide, mm-hmm. it was like 15 feet tall. My name, just yo-yo, big as fuck on the side of the building. Just like, I don't know, it's like people drive by and just know this is my shit, you know? Yeah, making your mark. And make, like, yeah, making my mark. And honestly, that shit, I was not prepared for what the fuck that shit was gonna bring. Yeah, like, <laughs> which I'd like to get into that too. So, yeah. like, in Cape, all my life, you know, uh, I, I came from Miami as well and all that stuff. and. Being graffiti was a regular thing, but in Cape Coral, there's literally None. no no graffiti, no art. Like I remember being so into the stuff, but there's 
there's nothing out here to support that. Um, as far as I know you, I, it stirred some noise in the neighborhood for sure, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> to say the least. Um, so how, how did you feel about once you, know, you did it and all that stuff and it kind of caused these issues? Was it fine for you or was it like, fuck it, this is me? Honestly, like, bro, like I said, like, I've always been in trouble, bro. Like, I've always been in trouble, so it's like, what the fuck? Like, I, hey, listen, I'm in, like, people are gonna trip, but at the end of the day, my landlord said that's cool. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So what? What the fuck you gonna do? Yeah, you gonna call it like, you gonna try to give me a fine? And then honestly, that's that's when all the fucking stickers shit started backfiring. Like, oh, he got stickers everywhere. He's putting stickers everywhere. Like, yeah, doing graffiti everywhere. Like, at the end of the day, bro, like we all pay taxes, bro. Like, like. <laughs> Like, you don't ask nobody permission when you put a big-ass advertisement on the side of the fucking highway yeah. that I have to look at yeah. every fucking time. I'm driving to Miami from Cape Coral. I got to look at your big-ass advertisement on the side of I-75. Mm-hmm. Did you ask my permission to put that up there even though I'm a taxpayer and I'm paying for this fucking highway? No, you didn't. Yeah. So, guess what? At the end of the day, bro, like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to write wherever I want to write at, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I get in trouble, I get in trouble. You know what I mean? But, like... Honestly, like I like I avoid all that shit because I got kids and I got a wife yeah, and shit like that. So I don't sure. even want the problems. But like, as far as your own, as far as, as something that I even got permission from somebody that's like renting the place out to me, gave me permission. Like I, after that, like everything else doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. So, bro, I had like land developers come in here and tell me that I need to take that shit down because it's an eyesore and it's fucking up their property value and this and that. And what's crazy is like, I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, bro. I started hitting up other people from other places. That, honestly, I didn't even hit people up. Like, people started hitting me up. Like, yeah, they started I, seeing they it. They started seeing it. I, I went, I got on, they put me on in the in the news and shit. The, like, a couple of news stations came over here and they try to, like, make it like a fucking whole, like, uh, Gangs are coming to yeah, Cape Coral. Yeah, gang-related graffiti in Cape Coral. It's like, bro, I have nothing to do with a gang. I, ne- I ain't never been in a gang. I ain't never... Nothing, bro. You know what I mean? I, that's not even me. That's not even my style. Like, gang shit is not my style. You know what I mean? And they try to make it everything's like a gang thing. They ain't got nothing to do with, like, okay... In certain places, gangs do write graffiti, but I shouldn't. Yeah, it's Cape Coral, Florida, though. It's Cape Coral, Florida. They have no, they have no idea what the culture is, so... Yeah. Like... I don't expect them to know what it is, but yeah. at the end of the day, I was going to do me. So like, I was on the news a few times, whatever, and like people started hearing about it. And like people started hitting me up from Tampa, Miami, um, different areas in Florida and was asking me, hey, bro, like, I see you got that big ass wall. Let me get on that. Yeah. And now, I- like seeing it now too, like the ripple effect, because like it caused trouble, but now it seems like more of the norm, especially in downtown Cape. You know what I'm saying? Like. Um, even driving over here and all that stuff, like now there's more murals up or whatever. And I remember like <laughs> seeing a news piece that was a uh, spin positive or whatever, like, oh, new color in Cape Coral or whatever. But, you know, you kind of got the flack for being the first. You know? I mean, that's always how it is, bro. Everybody that wants to be like, bro, anybody that wants to start a diff or like be different, you want to be different and you want to make your mark, you're going to take the shit end of the stick. Yeah. Because you have to take the bullshit for everybody else. Yeah. So that was like I honestly knew that that was gonna be a part of it. Honestly, I'm I was surprised that I got shit for the graffiti as as opposed to like me posting up a big ass 
fucking storefront sign of my face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I knew how obnoxious that was. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But that's, I think it's part of like how I am. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to make sure I leave my mark wherever the fuck I go. So yeah. it's like I put a big ass fucking sign with my face on it. I thought that was going to get like some kind of negative feedback. But honestly, people don't even notice that shit. Yeah. They notice when I start fucking spray painting inside of a building. Yeah. So, you know, like I had like crowds outside of people like being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, mm-hmm. they're okay with that? Like, it is what it is. And then honestly, like, then we start, we fill, ended up filling up the whole entire wall. I had like a bunch of different people like, uh, uh, Gods and um, like Haji, um, DKSR, um, yourself, Oz, me, uh, oh my god, or uh, um, bunch of different artists, bro. And um, and we all just started like doing different shit on the walls and the, the fence and. And then all of a sudden, I start seeing people popping up with like murals and shit. Yeah, now that it's more peace, yeah, well, or whatever. That's the thing. So it's like you know, somebody has has to get fucked in the beginning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then everybody's like, oh well, you know, nothing happened to him. He's still good, so might as well. Yeah. And but honestly, like I like that shit, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I don't give a fuck. Like I don't mind. Like I don't. I honestly don't try to carry that shit on my back. Like I don't feel like you know I'm like first to do anything because honestly, it's just here in Cape. But any, everywhere else, there's people that's like pioneered the shit for everywhere. Like anywhere you go, yeah. it's like, like, uh, like, like, uh, Crooks and Chrome in Miami. Like mm-hmm. they were, they were fucking Crooks and Chrome was doing shit in Miami in the '90s, bro. Mm-hmm. And they were getting fucking locked the fuck up, bro. Mm-hmm. Locked up for doing shit in the '90s. And now, fucking, you go to Wynwood and all these fucking like. Rich ass people come from all over the world just to see graffiti, bro. Yeah. Shit that they used to go to jail for. Now you go to Winwood and see it and like pay money to go into a fucking exhibit and buy a a frame of some a piece of concrete. Uh, yeah, bro. Yeah. What the fuck? So, so like that that's interesting too. Like I feel like the barber industry has also taken that toll or whatever. You know, because mm-hmm. like even looking back at you know. 07, 08, and all that stuff. Like, barbering was a thing. It was a means of working and all that stuff. But kind of like, I don't know, how I see it now, it's more of a, a bro, rock star thing. You know it was different, bro. Back then, you bro, you do a design on your head. I remember doing a design on my head in fucking high school. Putting a big-ass GMB on the back of my head like this fucking big. Yeah. Get money, boys. Big as fuck. And again, getting sent home from school. You can't come back to school until, you're, yeah. until you shave that shit or until it grows back. Yeah. You know what now I'm saying? Now people got purple hair enhancements. Yeah, like crazy it's things. like a normal thing. It's like, so like, I mean, it's always going to be something that's going to push the boundaries of what's like socially acceptable. And like, I don't know. I just swear, I think certain people like feel comfortable and thrive at like. Just pushing the envelope like different shit. Yeah. So as far as like um, the uh, as far as uh, future of the shop and all that stuff, I know you're always trying to to push and all that stuff as far as uh, what you bring into the community and all that stuff. There's stuff outside of barbering that you're looking forward to or, or trying to do. To be honest, man, ever since I have my kids and shit, and my wife, like. My whole, f- the all my future plans really go to to them towards them. Like, yeah, like I don't I don't feel that like that hunger to like stand out as much as I used to. Yeah, because you're feel- a little bit more settled down. Yeah, but like 
it's part of my personality, bro. So like, no matter what I, no matter what my next venture is, I already know it's gonna be like something that's like not gonna be like probably welcome with open arms in the beginning. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's probably gonna end up being something that's gonna have like some pushback at first, and then it's just gonna work out. Yeah. So like, honestly, it's like I don't even know what's next. Yeah. Like but you're built for it. I feel at this yeah. point. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I thrive in that like. I thrive in that, like, um, what's the word for it? like, the adversity of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I thrive in in being like in a position where it's like uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I'm comfortable, I don't grow. So, it's like when I'm uncomfortable is when it makes me do something different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I think honestly that's what everybody should strive to do is like leave their own mark on whatever it is they do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody has their own way of like. Of, of accomplishing what they want to do. Like, as long as you go your own way about it and not try to follow somebody else's blueprint. Like, if you're trying to copy somebody else's shit, it's always going to work. Like, it's always going to be not as good. Yeah, because it's a formula. Everybody can kind yeah. of off-rip. Unless, you know what I mean? Like, I ain't going to lie. My shit was kind of like a formula, too. Yeah. But it was a different... It's a remix. It's, it's a... It's, it's All right. So, you could try to... Use somebody else's formula, but use it in a different, yeah. an, in a different place or a different way. You know what I'm saying? So like, maybe I used a, 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 a street art fucking graffiti formula, but I used it in the barber community, so it worked out because it was the first one in the barber community to do it. Yeah. So you could use a fucking formula of somebody else that's in a different, complete like category as you and if you use it in your way it could work out but it's your own style you add your own flavor to it so yeah for sure well i know we're hitting close to the the mark time or whatever just because i know we, we you have to get back to your kids or whatever <laughs> but um no man i i really appreciate this conversation um i'm hoping that this ac isn't gonna ruin everything but it's fine <laughs> but uh Either way, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, and being on the first episode. Yeah, you know, bro. Uh, we've been friends for many, many years and all that stuff, and I'm hoping this platform opens up stories of just people in the barber industry trying to do something Yeah, different. definitely, bro. This is definitely the first of many episodes. Yeah. I'm going to watch all of them, and I'm going to promote all of them as if they were my own. So <laughs> Appreciate you, dog. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. Well, this was uh, the present barber. I don't know how we're gonna intro it, but uh, episode uh, one. One. Uh-huh. All right. All Peace, right. everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you like this episode, please give us a rating and share the episode with somebody, and consider subscribing and following us on social media. Until next time, everyone. Stay present.